the whole idea is understanding the the business aspect of ai because if if you don't do it right then you just pretty much take a very good guy who could be actually transforming your organization for good and make him or her just a database delivery boy Welcome to episode 63 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future and is brought to you by Wonder and Pattern. As always, I'm with my co-host, Claire Haydar, who's the CEO of Wonder and Pattern. Claire, this is the second time that we're talking to Vishal Kumar. Uh, he's an AI expert and uh, CEO of Tau.ai. What can we expect from our conversation today? So one of the the most interesting aspects that we explored with Vishal in this episode was specifically around AI, not just as some technological concept, you know, pie in the sky, but very much an actual co-worker next to an employee inside a company. And as you can imagine, I mean, that took us down some really interesting discussion points, which I think are really important for not only the HR community, but, you know, C-level executives to really, really be considering in work today because we are definitely entering an era where AI should be seen as an addition to the workforce rather than just a technological add-on. Let's uh, join Vishal now and, and hear what he's got to say. We're really going to narrow in on people teams, chief people officers, you know, VPs of HR, etc., and how they need to be preparing for AI at work. Because a lot of companies, specifically in the people area, haven't in any way actually introduced this yet. Maybe a little bit in recruitment, as you've mentioned, but in terms of like it being pervasive across people departments, that definitely isn't at that state yet. So, if you look to date, how companies have operated, operations and the people function were very, very separate. Pandemic happens, all of a sudden we hit with this new reality and we realize that operations and people as two functions have to be way more intertwined with each other than they ever have been before. Talk to us specifically about how those two functions in business need to be upskilling themselves. So forget about the actual AI and before it even comes into their workflows and stuff like that. Where do they as leaders need to be upskilling themselves in this area before they start introducing it into the business? I think this is this is so such a huge opportunity for people leader, right? Because as a tech, as, as technologist, you understand these things very clearly, right? You, when you talk to this HR leader struggling, you understand maybe the technology is, has over-invaded uh, their way of thinking or it's super under that they, they're just too on the fence to figure out what to do, right? And sort of when you said, okay, what are the benchmarks you should think about? So I think that hidden life of trees comes right in, in the center, right? Because you have to understand the hidden connections between workers, the ecosystems, the technology ecosystems, the AI ecosystem that's bringing into the ecosystems. And then on the other side, so I have this super weird practice within my company that every quarter I, I have all of my technology folks read about human history, 
basically psychology. And we pick, we pick some random book and every quarter we have this book meeting after three months because I want technologists to understand that humans, how the human psychology work, how the humans have evolved, right? Because we right now we are seeing barrage of changes. Technology is super uh, getting super matured. We have sophisticated tools out there. Now, when you're operating under these new conditions and under this new framework, how do you, as a people leader, think about what to do? And many of these playbooks have already been answered either in the nature or in the history. There's a very famous book here, uh, Gun, Germs, and Steel. So they said many, like, all the major changes that happen in the history are around the germs, guns, and steel. And luckily, we have the pandemic follow later on. And then we are seeing, again, that germs things kicking in. So now that's a huge plus, right, that we sort of can, leaders could learn from. So I think drop everything, maybe pick hidden life of trees. That's a great starting point. And maybe uh, there are very interesting books around history of how human mankind have evolved. And that holds a lot of interesting golden gem. By the way, uh, full disclosure, whenever I meet a CHRO or CPO, I give one of these weird books to them. And I begged them to read it. <laughs> to read it. I said, yeah. I can I can preach AI to them all they want. I said, but you have to do me a favor. Be human first because I can, my job is to geek you out. It's your job to stop me from doing that. So just for a little bit of context for our audience and Doug, even for you, because you, you were part of that conversation with Vishal. One of Vishal's closing questions for me was a book that I've recently read. And he was very surprised when I gave, you know, The Secret Life of Trees because <laughs> he was expecting a business book, not a, a book on ecology. <laughs> and But the reason why, to the exact point that Vishal has just made, why it is actually such a profound business book and actually a book that I recommend every business leader out there read is because it explains how the entire root function, so the title of the book, The Secret Life of Trees, is essentially a description of the entire root system that's happening underneath the soil. So, you know, we think of trees and we think of the trunk and the leaves and everything that we see, but what's actually like <laughs> the main function that trees are contributing to the world is actually happening in an invisible format underneath the soil that we can't see. That's where trees communicate with each other. It's where they essentially play the function of hospital and doctor to one another. They consult with one another. They, you know, all of the basic functions that we understand to be human functions, trees actually undergo very similar functions at that root level. And it's incredible. And to Vishal's point, the reason why it's such a powerful book is because it helps you to understand how companies and teams and humans in work function when you are able to take that step out and look at it through the ecosystem of, of trees. And Vishal, what I really like about the response that you've just given to the question that I asked is, I was totally expecting you to say, you know, you should read up about this on AI and you should read up about this on AI. And again, you surprise us and you tell us, no, you know, as HR people, don't try and become technologists. Allow the technologists to be technologists. Bring your human side to the table because it's the human side that's actually lacking. And I love that. I really, really like that. Yeah. So I'm going to chirp in here because not 100 miles away from what you're talking about, 
Vishal, we're talking about recruiters and, and human resources. Is there going to be a time that you can see that people teams are going to be recruiting AI team members? I hope so. Uh, I think it, it still it, it still has its value, not at not in its current form. So, by the way, I think this is uh, uh, in most of our conversation with businesses when we talk about their use cases of AI. It's basically it's in many ways it uh, in a different direction. Right. So uh, I, I can give you one conversation. I had this uh, pretty huge bank, one of the largest bank in the world, and I was talking to their HR's chief data officer. Okay. So I was fascinated with the conversation. I said, man, you hold the biggest bank. It recruits some of the smartest folks. You are the analytics engine of the, of the society. Tell me, how are you making your workers' life better? And this gentleman said, uh, Vishal, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not my job. I said, okay, then what's your job? He said, HR comes to me with some data. I give them data. They are happy. I'm happy. I said, but how are you human? So I understand you're a technologist. I understand you are, like, but you are the the folk who will make the uh, businesses understand what data is. You are the guy, you are the storyteller from the data that I'm expecting to hear from. You are the shoulder that probably I'll cry when I say 15% people left or 18% people left and maybe I don't deserve to have this, such a bad company, right? And then he said, that's my struggle. That is where, where sort of uh, I am having massive conflicts on how people are using these individuals, right? So now that means, again, the whole idea is understanding the the business aspect of AI, because if, if you don't do it right, then you just pretty much take a very good guy who could be actually transforming your organization for good and make him or her just a database delivery boy. In, in, in a very, very crude terms, which is not good use of his time, not an organization. And that's why I think I'm a particular fan of new companies. They already are coming with this pre-panic. They're having sleepless nights about these scenarios, what AI is bringing in. So my other plea to all the businesses, obviously it's a self-serving plea, but the other plea is give a small guy, a new guy a shot at some portion because you will learn a lot that many bigger businesses who are deeply in, intertwined in your uh, in your uh, operations might not deliver that much value. Vishal, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding you because you're one of those highly intelligent human beings and I need to make sure that I understand all the layers that you're actually referring to here. So coming back to Doug's specific question around will we actually be recruiting AI itself? Will AI take the form of a companion colleague in the office. Is that a reality that that we're going to be facing? So, yes. Uh, yes that's a very short is. answer. That, that Yes, because eventually, but the AI needs to be more human. Right? The AI needs to understand because it's dealing with humans. Because today, like our human brains are very close to what where AI we, we want the AI to be. So as, as a species, we have evolved through so many extinction events or so many transformative events through our, through our lives. We have learned to be not a caveman. We have learned, learned to farm together. We have learned to hunt together. Now we have learned to create together. So there's a pretty hefty, basically, element of empathy, collaboration. Yes, yeah, like the humanization. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is why I'm asking the question because I wanted to clarify that and make sure I understand that. So using the example that you gave of all of these evolutionary cycles that humans have been through, how long do you think it's going to take AI to go through those same evolutionary cycles before we will be able to actually recruit them as colleagues into our workforces? It seems a little bit scary because if we have to wait for AI to go through all the evolutionary cycles that we as humans have, we're going to have some pretty serious issues as humans and AI conflict until they've evolved. And that's for all of us to figure. I think that's all of us are are are, are figuring it out, right? And and this is very philosophical uh, conversation as well, because I think one of the things that why economists are also part of this conversation, right? Because how the businesses are designed today they're not designed to appreciate happiness. They're designed to appreciate profitability, right? And profitability many times are accrued to productivity, right? So that's why over the last five years, all the major CEOs from major organizations are stepping out saying, okay, we need to take a pause and rethink about the future of organizations. So if you are, say, one of those Fortune 500 companies that is still not updated, you need to understand that basically how to do it effectively so it's it empathize like it, it it creates those those bubbles so we can recruit those ais but obviously it's still a bridge a bit far that we need to travel a bit far yeah vishal you've already alluded to tao which i'm very happy about because i mean this is exactly why we brought you onto this podcast is this is something that you live and breathe every single day you're actually helping companies with your teams to implement AI, to improve AI, to create better outcomes for the business, but also for the people in the business. Tell us a little bit about Tao. And most importantly, tell us where the name comes from. I'd really like to understand the history of the business. So why did it start? What was the problem that you saw? And what irritated you so much about that problem that you were like, I need to solve this today? <laughs> and then how did the name come about? So basically what Tao is envisioned to do, the idea came from a very interesting meeting. So I have a very close friend. He was a chief architect at a premium organization, Fortune, Fortune 50 organization, and he was let go. And he was a best speech analytics guy. That you can find okay so he said and he was rewarded i think for five last five years the best engineer of the year award so i he said vishal can you find me a gig i just took his resume and there's a company locally here that do speech analytics this most successful company in the speech analytics space i said get this guy he's amazing this company rewarded this guy for five years have him and this guy took this gentleman's resume and he said he's obsolete I said, what do you mean by he's obsolete? The technology he's working on is 1980s, blah, blah, blah. And I start hearing all that all that gibberish things. Then it so suddenly dawned on me. I start talking to him and I said, Vishal, should I sue the company I'm working? Because they give me employer of the year, best architect of the year award. So they're giving, they're, they're sort of protecting me in this interesting bubble. And I'm now, uh, my competitor is saying I'm obsolete. Right. So that opened a can of worms. Right. Because when we are building analytics week as an analytics organization, we always feel how businesses want analytics to be delivered. We always feel those kind of queries. So we every now and then we used to file some guys struggling to learn AI, but we never connected the dot that, hey, where are you coming from? Maybe you're not an AI guy. That's why you're struggling. Right. Then we started realizing. So this guy was 55 or so. And companies have this interesting way to not 
empower them one after an age, right? So there's an ageism going on with the organizations. And that really, then, then I started digging into it. We hired one of our research companies. We said, okay, let's focus on the, the impact of this working population, right? Because that it, it appears to be, I never connected the dot. I can, I can smell it from the conversation, but I never connected. This is the reason that's going on. Then we realized, whoa, we have such a massive belt of experienced professionals that enterprise are not designed to address. So that was a very initial route of where AI Tao came from, that can we connect these individuals together so at least they can help each other out and do whatever. And then we, when we start talking to businesses, we realize it's a bigger problem. All the leaders are panicking about this. All the many people who are, and they are a functioning brain, they are very creative fellows. Uh, they have wisdom with them. So they are the most sophisticated AI at a very cheap price that you can buy today, right? But you have no role for them. It, uh, they're sliding out. So that became sort of our outcry. But then when the pandemic hits, my team revolted. My team said, we're not going to work for you, Vishal, if you're not going to be serious about this issue because now it's a mental health issue, right? Our ability to not understand our fellow workers, right? It's a serious issue as an organization. If we talk about tools, so we said, but I don't want to be the, like, I'm happy where we are. We are. So we end up recruiting tools that are available in the market. We're success factors. We, we hire a lot of these interesting tools. We start playing with it. It's it's still pretty rudimentary when it comes to what it can do. I ask him question, they answer. But if I'm not know, if I don't know what to ask, I'm out of luck. So then we started investing in this idea of AI is powerful. My team, eighty percent of my team is super rock stars in AI, build designing AI, advanced analytics. We said, can we use these individuals? They're weirdos. Let's throw some that, and that's when we started this culture of throwing books at them, saying read about culture and see what comes to your mind. And then we started building this tool that basically be like a work OS at some point where it can understand worker and understand sort of, and that is the confusing root of Tao, uh, where it come from. And the name, it so that's another weird story. Uh, so the, I thought it's a clever, uh, what to call it? Talent and organizations. I said, it, we are bringing talent and organizations. So, okay, short, someone says, Tao. But then I met a, a, a monk and he said, Vishal, what the? I said, what happened? And he said, you know what Taoism is? I said, I have no clue. And then, and then, and once I started reading it, I said, we are Tao. Like it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's some, some Greek, some God gave us this, whatever. But, but yeah, that's the, it's an accidental Tao. But I, actually, we are bringing Taoism in a very weird way. We're not we're not religious, but uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's that. Got it. Got it. And that alternative explanation of Tao brings us to the end of part two of our conversation with Vishal Kumar. If you missed the first part of our conversation with Vishal, check it out on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wanda's website, wndyr.com. We'll conclude our chat shortly, but from Claire and myself, for now, we'll see you soon.